welcome to the second episode of the Woo Woo Podcast, a podcast for the spiritually open-minded. In this podcast, we talk about everything considered extraordinary, magical, supernatural, spiritual, taboo, and, well, woo woo. I'm your host, Ivy Martinez. You may or may not know me from my paranormal and occult TikTok and YouTube channels, where I am known as Intuitive IVM. I'm also the co-founder of an amazing spiritual business company called Unearthly Treasures, where we sell things such as earrings for those that dare to be unique and different, as well as topical essential oils and mists and tension candles. And we're going to be launching our spooky Halloween collection, as well as some magical mystery boxes starting next week so i'm so excited um you can check us out at unearthlytreasures.com anyway welcome today we're going to be talking all about tarot tarot is a subject that i am very very close to because i myself uh, am a professional tarot reader so this is one that i deeply deeply connect with and something that i really really want to talk about We're going to be talking about how they work as well as a brief history of tarot cards. We're going to be talking about the different types of tarot readings you can get as well as common myths and misconceptions, including the big one, is tarot evil or is it the work of the devil? And lastly, I'm going to be giving some tips and tricks that you should know if you're interested in beginning your very own tarot journey. So let's just go ahead and jump right on in. So starting off what is tarot? The tarot is actually a card deck composing of 78 cards, each with its own imagery, symbolism, and story. The major arcana consists of 22 cards, and these are basically life's karmic and spiritual lessons. And then the minor arcana consists of 56 cards, and this basically reflects like the trials and the blessings and tribulations that we experience like on a day-to-day basis. So like the more mundane things is what the minor arcana is for and the major arcana is for like the big spiritual lessons the shit that you gotta that you gotta go through basically um so within the minor arcana there are 16 court cards each representing 16 different personality characteristics um we may choose to express at any given time The minor arcana also includes 40 numbered cards organized into four different suits. So these suits being the pentacles, also known as the pentagrams, the wands, the swords, um, which is also sometimes known as air. Um, And lastly, we have um, the cups, which are sometimes called, can be anything, honestly, can be vases even but they're cups um so each of these have 10 cards each and they represent various situations that we encounter throughout the day so cups is more emotional based the wands are more like action based the swords are more mentally based um and then the earth or the pentacles um is mainly like materials and jobs and careers and all that so what exactly can tarot cards actually do so tarot is actually really perfect for self-development it's for good for making choices manifesting goals coaching others planning a business writing a book meditating anything like you name it you can incorporate tarot into 
anything to get beautiful, amazing guidance and advice um, on how to move forward. So because tarot is basically the storybook of our life. It's the mirror that goes into our soul and it's the key to our own inner wisdom. So every spiritual lesson that we meet in our lives can be found within these 78 tarot cards. And when we consult the tarot, we'll get shown the exact lessons that we need to learn to master and to live a more inspired life. It's like holding up a mirror to yourself so you can access your subconscious mind. Tarot allows you to tap into your inner wisdom and the answers that already live within us all. So now we're going to get into a brief history of tarot. So the exact time that tarot started is unknown like people say all kinds of stuff but honestly no one really knows where tarot started started you know like some date it back to like the renaissance some people date it back to like the babylonians some people date it to like ancient egypt but there's just so there's just so many people that say it started here it started there so i'm not gonna get into where it first started because I mean, nobody else knows. I don't know. What I am going to get into are the written accounts where tarot started being mentioned, basically. So this is going to be where tarot began being mentioned um, throughout different periods of history that where tarot was most commonly recorded. So the first time that we see, um, well, that I saw where tarot was mentioned was in the uh, mid-1400s. Artists in Europe um, began painting these playing cards that featured four different suits. The suits were basically pretty similar to what we still use today. We have like the staves or the wands, the discs or the coins, the cups and the swords. Um, we also have like the trump cards or the triumph cards um, that were often painted for wealthy families. And that's what basically we use as like the major, major arcana today. Um, so members of nobility would basically commission these artists to create these painting, these painted playing cards for them basically so they would get their own set of cards featuring like their own family members and even their own friends as like the triumph cards um the number um they would have like numbers of sets um some of these actually still exist today um and they were created for the mainly for the visconti family of milan the ones that we have today um which counted several dukes and barons among its members um, because not everyone, obviously nobody was, not everybody was able to afford um, to hire a painter to make their own set of cards specifically for them. It was more for like nobility back in the, that time. For a few for a few centuries, actually, um, customized cards were something that only the privileged few could own. Um, but it wasn't until like the printing press came along, the playing card decks would be mass produced um, for the average, you know, the average Joe, the average game player. So after that, um, in both France and Italy, the original purpose of tarot, it was a parlor game. You know, it was a playing card game. It was not a divinatory tool like at all. It started to, it appears that divination with playing cards started to become popular in like the 16th and the 17th century. Although at that time, it was far, still, still far more simple than the tarot that we use today. 
Because by the 18th century, people were beginning to assign specific meanings to each card and even offer suggestions as to how they could be laid out for divinatory purposes. In 1781, a French Freemason and former Protestant minister named Antoine Corte de Gabelin published a complex analysis of the tarot in which he revealed that the symbolism in the tarot was in fact derived from the esoteric secrets of Egyptian priests. De Gebelin went on to explain that this ancient occult knowledge had been carried to Rome and revealed to the Catholic Church and the popes who desperately wanted to keep this arcane knowledge secret. In his essay, the chapter on tarot meanings explains the detailed symbolism of tarot artwork and connects it to the legends of Isis, Osiris, and even and other Egyptian gods. By the early 19th century, playing card decks like the Marseille Tarot were being produced with artwork specifically based on de Gebelin's analysis. And we can, you can still find like the Marseille Tarot today. In 1791, Jean-Baptiste Elite, a French occultist, released the first tarot deck designed specifically, specifically for divinatory purposes rather than as a parlor game or entertainment. A few years earlier, he had responded to de Gebelin's work with a treatise of his own, a book explaining of how one could use the tarot for divination. As occult interest in the tarot expanded, it became more associated with the Kabbalah and the secrets of Hermetic mysticism. But by the end of the Victorian era, occultism and spiritualism had become super popular pastimes for bored, upper-class families. It wasn't uncommon to attend a house party and find a seance taking place or someone reading palms or tea leaves in the corner. This would have been a fun time to live. It, I, I would have enjoyed this time. And I feel like it's coming back, but, like, in a more, I don't know, like, in a more, like, lighthearted, beautiful, more open way. Do you get what I mean? Like, I feel like this is all coming back to people and like the whole like spiritual thing, you know, we have this whole spiritual awakening that's happening and it's, it's obviously more like lighthearted and more focused on love and stuff. And I absolutely love that. So we're, we're living through that time again, that time period again, but in a, like the best era, you know, some people are saying this, this is the age of Aquarius. So, ah, excited for that. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. So there was a man named, um, he was a British occultist, his name was Arthur Waite. You may know, you may be familiar with the Waite part. Um, he was a member of the Order of the Golden Dawn. And apparently, apparently, I didn't know this. He was a longtime ne nemesis of Aleister Crowley, who was involved in the group and its various offshoots. Waite got together with artist Pamela Coleman-Smith, also a Golden Dawn member, and created what we know as the Rider Waite Tarot Deck, which was first published in 1909. At Waite's suggestion, Smith used the Sola Busca artwork for inspiration, and there are many similarities in the symbolism between the Sola Busca and Smith's final results. Smith was the first artist to use characters as representative images in the lower cards. So instead of showing merely like a cluster, you know what we know now as like the Pip decks, 
Instead of just using like a cluster of cups, coins, wands, or swords, Smith incorporated actual human figures into the artwork, and the result is the iconic duck that we know today. So, like I said, the image is heavy on um, Kabbalistic symbolism, and because of this, it's typically used as a default deck nearly in nearly all instruction books on the tarot, and today many people refer to the deck as the Waitsmith deck or the Rider Waite deck, an acknowledgement of Smith's enduring work. Now over a hundred years since the release of the Rider Waite deck, tarot cards are available in practically practically everywhere. Like you can walk into your local Barnes and Noble, metaphysical shops, like even I'm starting to see them in like Spencer's and like all the hot topic and like all those like alternative stores too like is starting to sell them now um i've even seen some online at walmart um so basically they're pretty much sold everywhere now in general many of these follow the format and the style of the rider weight deck and it's true a lot of the the tarot decks that are coming out today the modern tarot modern day tarot decks still follow the symbolism that we find in the rider weight just because it's still so popularized and when you're you know first learning how to do the tarot and you look up like um the meanings of tarot most likely you're going to see the rider weight deck as an example um so but so a lot of the decks are still very similar to the rider weight although each adapts the cards to suit basically their own motive so you have like the nightmare for christmas deck or you have like my favorite deck being like the everyday like what is it the witch deck the modern witch deck that's my favorite deck and it's very similar to the rider weight deck so no longer is it just the domain for the wealthy and the upper class. Tarot is available for anybody who wishes to take the time to learn it. And that is so true. Um, so now we're going to get into some common myths and misconceptions. So tarot cards are full of mystery and have been compelling so many people over the years due to the influence that they had that they hold in our life and our future. So although the tarot is is a beautiful art and has been practiced for centuries there's still so many misconceptions that have been associated with the magic of tarot so from the tales of the tarot deck is pure evil to the belief that the death card is an invitation to the grave tarot has been falsified for like way 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 too long so it's time to put those ideas to rest so we're going to go over some common myths and some common misconceptions we're going to lay it all out there and we're going to we're going to we're going to talk this shit out so we're going to start with number one. Psychics are the only people who are able to read tarot cards. No, this is not true. Psychics are not the only people that can read tarot cards. Although having a reading with somebody that has these psychic abilities will perhaps be like a whole different experience and may even be more intense, tarot is not only for psychics. Most tarot readers go through a lot of training, like we go through a lot of training. And there are ways, there's literally so many ways for us to like amplify our own natural intuition skills like if you don't have psychic abilities you're not naturally born with psychic abilities that doesn't mean that you're not psychic there's so many like workshops out there and courses and books and 
exercises that you can do to increase your intuition, to create, to increase your psychic abilities. So even if you may not have them now, doesn't mean that you don't have them. It just means that you just, it's a muscle. It's like when you work out and when you want to lose weight and you work out, if you're not working out and you're not eating right, you're not going to lose weight. Same thing with you know, psychic abilities, if you're not working it out, if you're not like treating it, or if you're not, you know, making the effort, you're not going to see results and you're not going to see those psychic abilities. Some people are naturally born with it and like good for them, but not everybody's like that. Do you get what I mean? And some people may have been born with that and then even like shut it off and then they want it later on. Like me, that's, that's my example. That's why I said that. (laughs) So, yeah, like anybody could be a psychic. So like, it's not like, oh, psychics are the only people that are available to read cards. No, you, we all have that ability in us. We all have it. So like anyone can become a tarot reader. If they put their work, they put their time to the work and they basically elevate their intuition. Tarot is an art that you can learn. And although having some kind of spiritual ability is definitely something that'll add a bit of magic to your readings, it's not necessary. So if you didn't want to practice that whole psychic abilities thing to read tarot cards, you don't have to. You can read tarot cards by the book and you can read tarot cards solely on your intuition. That's the beauty of doing tarot is that like it's your own practice and you practice it how you see fit. So there's, there's common misconception number one. Next is that you can never buy your own deck. It has to be gifted. I, oh my gosh, I despise this one so much because I don't know where I first heard it, but here's the thing. If you waited for somebody, if you wanted desperately to learn tarot and you had to wait for somebody to buy you a deck, you're either going to be waiting forever. And by the time you are gifted a deck, if you ever are, Like, you might not be interested in pursuing it anymore because they waited so long. Or the deck that was given to you might not even be something that you like. It might be a deck that the other person liked. Do you get what I mean? But then gifted it to you. So it's not something that's of your interest. It's something that's of their interest. And like that. So this, this misconception I really don't like. Buy your own damn decks because you need to create a connection with the decks. You need to create a connection with your tarot deck. If you don't have that connection, if you don't have your that bond, if you don't see this deck and like fall in love with it or see like feel any intuit intuition bonding going on at all, like you're not gonna bond with that deck. It's not gonna work for you. And chances are, if like that deck doesn't work for you, you're not gonna want to continue to practice it. So make sure that you, yeah, get your own damn deck and make sure that it's something that you really vibe with. You need to feel that vibe in order for you to have that bond with your deck. And that bond is something that you do need in order to learn. Because how are you going to, like, practice something and learn something that you're not vibing with? You can't. Um, so next is that don't let anyone use or touch your tarot cards. So this is another myth. So this myth basically claims that like people who touch your cards are either going to give you bad luck or they're going to give you bad energy. And like energy is a real thing. Yes. When you do tarot, like tarot readings, yes, people can rub off their energy and you might have a really heavy reading and you're going to have to cleanse that shit. But the thing is, 
you can cleanse that shit. So you can. Somebody else can touch your cards. They're not going to curse your cards. You can easily cleanse your deck afterwards and be free of all that, like, energy. I actually have, like, a YouTube video where I go in depth about there's just so many different ways to, like, cleanse your cards. So I do have a video where I go over, like, 11 top ways that you can cleanse your deck um, that you can check out on my YouTube channel if you wanted to. YouTube.com slash intuitive IVM, M as in Mary. Um, so if you wanted to check that out, like, different ways to cleanse your tarot deck, you can do that. But, yes, people can touch your cards. It's it's You can cleanse them. So... The next common misconception is that tarot cards are always right. No, no. This is another one that I cannot stress enough. Like if there's one misconception that I wish that every potential client knew, it would definitely be be this one. Especially being like a professional card reader myself, there's a high possibility that your tarot reader is going to give you the right information. But just because it was told you to you doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. What leads you to the future are your choices. And so basically, if you get this mapped out for you, like this and this and this is going to happen, and you make one major decision, it can and it will shift your future. Which means that although your tarot reader might have seen something that's happening soon, if you choose to do nothing about it, and you don't take any of the advice that the cards were given you, that the cards have given you, there's a chance that it's not going to happen at all because you're not taking the action that the cards told you. You're not taking the advice that spirit, your spirit guides, your higher self, whatever it is that you choose to believe in, that, that the advice that that's giving you, you're not taking it. So chances are that the things that's supposed to happen afterwards, after you take that action, aren't going to happen if you're not taking that action. You know, like tarot's a guide. It's not a genie. It's up to you to fill in the blanks and make things happen. So next is that the reverse cards always hold negative meanings. So yeah, even, well, no, not yeah. But like, even though the reverse cards usually hold the opposite meaning to the upright cards, there's no need to panic when you see it on a reading. Because the reverse cards are not always negative. It's always going to depend Okay, sorry, got a little interruption there. So the reverse cards, they're basically read out as a group, like as a group during a reading, and they're not so much like read out loud individually. So don't stress yourself, okay? When you see one, it's probably not as bad as you think. Also, a big difference between like the cards that are right side up and reverse is that oftentimes the cards that are upright to tend to be like a more external force. And if you get it upside down, they're basically things are going on internally. So instead of it being like an external conflict or an external um, blessing, it's going to be something that's more internally based. You know, so like you're not like the five of wands, for example, if it's upright, it's usually like a conflict going on with other people. Um, but if you get it in reverse, more than likely, that's going to be an internal conflict that you're going to be facing within yourself. So it doesn't necessarily mean something more negative. It just basically just means that it's more internalized versus like externalized. Um, so another one, next one, misconception number six is that you can't trust tarot readers. This is another misconception because it's honestly really unfair 
for all the amazing tarot readers out there that are doing a fabulous job. Yeah, there's going to be assholes that basically freaking lie to you. And there's going to be people that just want your money. But that's why you have to weed out the tarot readers that are doing that shiznit. And right now, where we're mainly seeing that is like popular YouTube, like YouTube tarot card readers people are stealing their identity and pretending to be them so you have to make sure that you do your research um and that you're actually like getting a reading from like the actual person before like you fall into this trap and it sucks ass you know for like tarot readers like us tarot readers that actually do this to help people because we love to do it you know but that doesn't mean that they're all bad there's just like in every group whether you walk into a store and you get help from, I don't know, some customer service person, you're either going to get a really good person or you're going to get an asshole. You know? <laughs> so there's a lot, there's a lot of like talented and outstanding tarot readers who are honestly genuine and are extremely good at what they do. You know, like, of course, you should always ensure that you're having a reading with somebody that's trustworthy. And you can ask for recommendations from someone that you know or check reliable websites online. For example, like there's a lot of people that do YouTube, YouTube pick a card readings and you can book a personal reading with them. And if you like their pick a card readings, then you can book that personal reading with them and you already know that they're reliable. And of course, like you should feel comfortable with your tarot reader. So if you're not getting good vibes about that person, maybe just look for another tarot reader. So now that we got that one established, let's move on to number seven. The death card means you're going to die. I know so many people who panic as soon as they see the death card. Yeah, it looks really creepy. But that's only one of the mysteries of tarot. The death card doesn't mean death at all. Everything in the tarot is symbolized. In fact, the death card is actually a really, really good card to get because the death card symbolizes the ending of something, but it also means that something new is beginning. So if you're leaving your job, it just means that there's something out there waiting for you already, something better. And the same goes for your relationships. The death card is actually a really good card to see, believe it or not. You know, like it's it, it like it can be scary, yeah, because it means that something big is gonna is ending. But honestly, the thing that's ending, it's because it's not supposed to be in your life anymore. The death card means that something that has served its purpose is now leaving your life. But something more new and beautiful is gonna come into your life path, something that is supposed to be there. And the old we're taking out the old, the old junk and moving in some new beauty that you need in your life now. So the death card is actually a really good card. So now we're going to move on to the most biggest and common misconception that I get whenever I read the tarot. Like this is always like I see this with like, you know, people that tend to be a little bit more religious. Is tarot evil or the work of the devil? Sadly, there is a really big misconception out there that tarot is evil or that it's the work of the devil and that we're all worshiping Satan when we look at the cards. It makes bad things happen and it even brings evil spirits to play. Oh my gosh. Okay, so think about the movies where you've seen tarot cards. 
right? Or TV series. Often tarot cards are presented in a way that you've got this like mysterious woman that's sitting at the table and she's like has her crystal ball and she's reading tarot cards out loud and she flips over the death card and then suddenly boom the other person falls dead and it's all chaos right yeah okay we start to get this crazy belief that tarot can make things happen and that it has this like insane power to do things even though sometimes in those movies we might see tarot cards out with the ouija board and suddenly there's an evil spirit in the room and everyone goes into complete craziness there's plates being thrown around the room and it's just crazy things and the tarot cards are basically what started it all so yeah, no wonder we have this misperception that tarot is evil and does bad things. Now, when it comes to religious beliefs, it's a similar story, but it's often around the idea that tarot is like sinful and it's often associated with divination. Um, but they're not necessarily always about divination. But in the Bible, even what what it says in Leviticus is do not practice divination or seek omens. So I get it. If you have strong Christian beliefs or you read the Bible and you read that line, you're going to be like, okay, I'm not going to go into divination and tarot cards are a part of that. I get, I get why people think that tarot is this bunched up evil group, right? Okay, but here's the thing. When we talk about divination, particularly in the biblical sense, it has a lot to do with fortune telling and unlocking the secrets of the future by occult supernatural means. That's the definite divination. When it comes to omen, it's an event regarded by either good or evil, very black and white. And the concept of predicting the future is sinful because it's doing, it's asserting the power that's greater than God's. And I get it. I get why people might feel out of alignment, particularly if you have strong religious beliefs. And if you're a part of that boat, then you don't have to use tarot for divination. You can use it for your own self-reflection. Um, but like, it's, it's again, like a religious thing, but if you're outside of that and you're more spiritual, you're not going to be looking at that. Do you know what I mean? So we're going to look like for a more, for, on a more spiritual level, if we look more, if, if we look at it more set, like more metaphorically, what it's about that you're ignoring the present, which is where you can make the biggest changes. And instead you're thinking more about the future and you're living outside of yourself, right? So a lot of these religious beliefs that tarot is evil comes from a place that assumes that tarot is purely just about asserting power that's greater than God's, and it's also predicting the future and keeping your mind in the future. Sure, yeah, we can use tarot to predict the future. When we want to have this beautiful, good connection with the tarot cards, though, it comes from when we're reusing the tarot to connect with our own inner wisdom, or what some call higher selves, or guardian angels, or our spirit guides, and understand more about ourselves and our present situation so that we can make the right changes to create the future that we want. Um, this is also how tarot works, by the way. So if you've ever worried yourself about using the tarot cards and thinking, oh my goodness, am I playing with something that's really evil that might bring bad spirits? My answer to you is no. Tarot is a beautiful tool, and it's up to you how to use that tool. But I want you to know that there are some very special, beautiful, soulful, divine ways of using this tool for good. Can it be used for bad? I mean, anything can be used for bad. Anything. You know? 
a pair of scissors can be used to craft or can be used to do something horrible. But it's just how we use that tool. So now that we talked about that, we're going to be talking about the different ways of reading tarot because there's different ways of reading tarot. The first one is going to be divination tarot reading. So divination tarot readings is basically using the cards for gaining the insight of the present as well as future situations. Um, so some people like to like tap into a spiritual force, like your spirit guides. Um, some people even use like Gaia, which is Mother Earth. Um, while some believe that the cards help them tap into their own creative and or collective unconsciousness, brainstorming subconscious ideas, basically. So there is divination tarot reading. There's also psychological tarot reading. So the importance of the importance of tarot symbolism was attached by the first psychologist Carl Jung. He may have regarded the tarot cards by representing archetypes, situations embedded in the subconscious of all of human being or fundamental types of people. The archetypes theory is used to, in several psychological treatments, so many people read the tarot solely based off of their own intuition and the symbolism of the cards. And this is like called intuition-based reading. And there you can use you can learn tarot just this way. Instead of like learning set, you know, meanings to each card and set keywords, you can just rely on your intuition and just look at the picture and i i knew i knew a few people actually that read cards this way and they're always very accurate in their readings um and they don't even know what the like by the book meaning is they just go solely on their intuition they're always spot on um and i think carl jung if i'm not mistaken he sounds so familiar i want to say he's the one that made like is he the one that made the osho zen or the itching he made some i know he made some duck um, so tarot can also be used as a mnemonic device, mnemonic, not demonic. Okay. Don't, don't, don't get that word wrong. It's basically used for symbolic study. Um, some schools of the occult, um, like the hermetic order of the golden dawn consider tarot a mnemonic, mnemonic. Again, we're not saying demonic, mnemonic device or textbook for their teachings. So this might be the cause for the world arcana, which is used to convey the meaning of two sections of the tarot deck, the minor versus the, you know, major arcana. It's the plural form of the Latin word arcanum, which means secrets or closed. Although it is formally believed in the Roman culture that the old grandmother would pass off her legacy of divination secrets to her oldest granddaughter before she dies, and was hence a well-guarded secret. Nevertheless, now times have changed, and this myth has surely changed. And everyone can basically gain the access to, of, to the power of a tarot reading for having a clear idea of one's most probable future. So now that we've got all that, we're going to get into some tips. Um, so if you wanted to get started in the tarot, there are so many ways that you can get started into the tarot. So if you do want to get started into the tarot, first of all, I want to say congrats. Tarot is an amazing and beautiful journey. Um, when starting off, it's so easy to like get super addicted. So try to just do it once a day. Pick one card a day. And if you're doing it, if you still feel like that's too much, just do it once a week. Um, so some tips if you want to get started in tarot. So number one is going to be to keep it simple. 
So make a commitment to yourself to keep it simple. Basically, just stick to a few simple spreads, simple meanings, and simple techniques. You'll find the confidence grows immensely when you keep it simple. So when you're starting out, don't try to learn every single meaning to the card. Don't try to learn everything all at once. Start with the major arcana. I always want to say start with the major arcana first because the major arcana is like the big spiritual lessons and they're all very different. Like the minor arcana, they're all kind of like very alike. It's like one of like one of ace of wands, two of wands, three of wands. So they're all very like where whereas the major arcana is like all very different. We have like the temp the 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 tempt the the devil card we have the lover's card we have the chariots we have the sun we have the moon you know they all have very different names and they're very easy to tell one by the other because the names are so different um and these are also going to be usually usually the more the ones that are more full of like more beautiful descriptive detailed illustrations versus the mi- the minor arcana sometimes they're just as descriptive like the minor and the major are just as descriptive but sometimes the major arcana are a lot more descriptive than the minor um so try sticking to learning the major arcana first and just stick to a few little examples um one thing that i like to do that i liked to do this is how i learned tarot really quickly is that i had flashcards I had flashcards that I created. I printed out like a picture of like the Rider Waite uh, picture of the of the card of the Major Arcana card or the Minor Arcana card. And in the back, I put like three keywords for me to learn, you know, and I had it in first try to learn them upright. And then if you want to learn them reversed, you can do it later on in the future. I was learning them reversed and I stopped. Um, I, I still I'm not exactly 100 percent. I don't exactly 100% know how to do reverse cards. That's why I just read them upright. Um, but And some people actually do just read them upright. Like um, the owner of Biddy Tarot, which is like the biggest online tarot company, um, she only reads her cards upright. But that doesn't mean that you can't read them reverse. You can definitely read them reverse. But when you're first learning, um, try reading the Major Arcana and try just reading, taking two, three keywords to learn and start, um, you know, flashcards. If you're good with flashcards, um, try flashcards, you know, like I, I, that's how I learn. I love flashcards. Um, so next is to create a personal connection with your tarot. So you can start by reading dozens of tarot books and, um, but not, that's not going to be too helpful because you're going to try to memorize all the meanings and yeah, that's not helpful. So don't, because that's going to cause you to forget all the meanings. Y- you, you're also not going to have any like personal or intuitive connections with the cards if you're just reading all these tarot books. That doesn't necessarily mean that you can't read a tarot book. If there is a tarot book that you're interested in, for example, Biddy Tarot has her very own uh, tarot book, go ahead and like, you know, read it. However, don't go solely based off of the by the book um, interpretations of the tarot. That's why I said memorize like about two to three keywords and then get your own um, symbol, like, your own meanings of it from looking at the symbolism. Um, so just, like, look at your everyday life for personal examples of the tarot cards. So what card basically describes your life today? Are you having a good day? Like, does everything seem amazing and bright? Okay, then the sun card might be the card of the day for you. 
you know, and that's solely based off of your intuition. Or um, you had an amazing date with your significant other. Well, the lover's card is going to be your card that day. You know, like, and then, you know, I, the reason why I learned, like, the court cards so quickly is because I associate it with, like, other people. For example, the Queen of Pentacles um, reminded me of my best friend, who's a Taurus. So she's an Earth sign, and she's very much, she's very much the Queen of Pentacles trying to figure out how to, like, focus on her work and focus on her family. She tries to get the perfect balance of both. She's very, like, down-to-earth. So, I, like, she's the Queen of Pentacles for me. The Queen of Wands is me. <laughs> Very, like, out there and dramatic and, um, what's it called? Like, confidence and just very overall, just, just has a huge personality. That's So, I associated myself with the Queen of Wands. You know, by creating that personal connection, it's going to be much easier for you to learn. And not only learn it but get a deeper meaning for each card than somebody that was just trying to learn by the book. And on top of all that, you're going to have much more fun learning it. So next is going to be to swap the Celtic cross for like a one to three card spread. When you first start to go online and you start looking for tarot spreads, more than likely the first one that you're going to bump into is the Celtic cross. The Celtic cross is probably the most famous tarot spread, but this consists, this spread consists of like 10 11 12 cards i I don't even know because i don't even do the celtic cross that often when you're first learning stick with a spread that's like one to three cards you know past present future um problem solution result you know like one to three cards or how's my day gonna go today or a piece of advice do you have for me today spirit one to three cards you know what to do now what to do later two cards simple spreads like that is going to be so much easier for you when you're first learning same thing when you're if you're practicing it on other people don't go crazy and do like a super detailed spread do one to three cards okay dude okay so we're gonna do three cards today um here's here's your issue right now here's um a piece of advice that can help you resolve it and if you take that advice here's going to be the result just that just those three cards is really going to help that person you don't have to get detailed especially when you're just starting out um so yeah (laughs) you're going to be pleasantly surprised about how much insight you're able to gain from just a one card reading and not only that but you're going to be analyzing that one card so much you're going to master it So next tip number quattro is draw a tarot card a day. The best way to learn tarot is to create a personal connection with it. So draw a card a day. Ask the tarot each day, like, for example, what energy do I need to focus on on today? And proactively manifest that energy that you get throughout the day. Or ask the tarot, what might I experience today? And at the end of the day, match up what happened throughout the day and what you know of the tarot card that you drew. Over time, your bank of personal experiences with the tarot is going to grow and grow. And something that can really, really help with this is to have a tarot journal. And you can get a tarot journal anywhere. Barnes & Noble, um, what, Books A Million, um, 
even like biddytarot.com sells them. Amazon sells them. Look for tarot journals. And there's so many. My favorite tarot journal journal that I have is the Modern Witch Tarot Journal. Um, and you can use it every single day. Every time you draw a card, ask, you know, write down what you asked for that day. Write down your interpretation of it. Write down a few little keywords. And then at the end of the day, go back and reflect on it. And that's going to help you learn so much too. And it's going to not not just help you learn, but it's going to develop an even deeper bond with whatever deck you're using and the tarot cards in general. Um, so next tip number five is to read the picture that's in the card. So one of the easiest ways to understand what a tarot means is to look at the picture. What's happening? Why is it happening? What's the moral of this story? You're going to be so surprised by how many tarot decks are so in-depth with their illustrations. You're going to see people's faces with joy or in agony. And you're going to see so much detail into it. You're going to feel that vibe. Go with it. You know, describe it. And then when you do, relate it back to what you're experiencing right now. So what can the story in the card tell you about your life right now? What new lessons can you learn based off of this card that you just drew? The best thing about this technique is that you don't have to memorize any meanings. You can simply just go with what you see in the picture each and every single time. And this technique is so powerful. Next, number six is to tune into your own intuition. I know. Okay, it's easier said than done, especially when you're first learning to work with your intuition and you haven't, you haven't turned it on for so long or you've tried avoiding your gut feeling because you're like, nah, my gut feeling is wrong. If you're that type of person that types, that tries to ignore their gut feeling, that your intuition's gonna need a little bit of a kickstart and this is the perfect way to kickstart that intuition. Let me tell you that. Most tarot beginners really struggle with knowing when, it, when to tune into their intuition. So my advice for that is to put down the books and to simply take in the energy of the tarot card in front of you. It doesn't matter if you connect with a different meaning of the card from what the books say. What you're doing is connecting with your intuition and your intuitive read of the card, which is often way more powerful than looking at book meanings. Tip number seven is to read tarot for yourself. So ignore anyone who says that you can't read tarot for yourself. Tarot is such a powerful tool for personal development and self-discovery to make use of it. In fact, when you're starting out with reading tarot, you are your own best client. Make time each day to do a short reading for yourself. Or if, if, you know, every day is too much, maybe once a week. You're going to learn more about the tarot and about yourself which is a bonus number eight is to find a study buddy i love this i have so many friends that when i was first learning how to do tarot i didn't know anyone else that was doing it you know like i knew a few people online that were doing it but like in person i had no like friends that were doing it so and now i found that like when i started doing tarot I now have like at least five friends that are into tarot or oracles now. 
and I help them as much as I can. So find a study buddy and they've learned so much. It's awesome. The fact that I was able to help all these people get into it too after they've seen me get into it. I love that so much. I love that I was able to inspire that in them. You know, each and every reader has a different perspective of the tarot cards. So if you're open to learning even more about the tarot, find a study buddy and practice reading the cards together. You'll be able to teach one another about the tarot, share diverse perspectives, and support each other in your own growth. And if you don't know anybody personally that's studying the tarot, you can hit me up on Instagram. Um, I've helped so many people, like study their cards on Instagram at intuitive IVM. Again, that's M as in Mary. You can hit me up on YouTube. I have several videos teaching you about tarot. Um, or you can join like Facebook, Facebook groups about tarot too. Um, so tip number nine is to learn two to three uh, keywords for each card. So don't rush yourself. If you can, if you try to memorize everything at once, you're going to end up retaining nothing and you're going to get discouraged because there's 78 friggin' cards. 78 cards. It's a lot. Okay? It's a lot. So start, like I said, with the major arcana. The tarot learning process should be enjoyable and enlightening. Not a source of frustration. Take it slowly. Have patience when you learn tarot. Believe me, just have patience. Study an hour a day. Okay, and start with 10 cards. Start with 10 major arcana cards. Once you've mastered those, move on to 10 more major arcana cards or 12 more. So you can get, and then within a month, you'll have mastered that major arcana, for example, if you're doing it every single day, an hour a day. And then the next one, start with the cups. And then after that, do like you, it's, it's a process, but it's a fun and fulfilling one. Don't try to cram all the cards at once because you are going to get discouraged because it's a lot it's a lot of cards so take it slowly believe me like it's it's definitely worth it so number 10 is to forget the rules okay if i had a dollar for every time somebody asked me about the rules of tarot what are the rules what are the rules of the tarot am i allowed to buy my own tarot cards does somebody have to offer them as a gift am i allowed to read just the major arcana cards should i let somebody else touch my cards should i even read for myself do you know what the number one rule of tarot is you want to follow a rule there's the number one this is the number one tarot rule okay the only rule that you should follow is that there's no rules as long as you're ethical in the way that you read tarot you can safely ignore all the shoulds or musts about tarot. Tarot is your own practice. Do what you wish and what goes with you. Follow your own path. Follow your own heart. The way that Patricia down the street reads tarot is not going to be the same way that you read tarot. And that's perfectly fine. Because you're following yourself. And when people come, if you do want to do readings professionally, the people that do come to you and are drawn to you, that's because they matched your vibe. Your frequencies are matching so they were meant to be your customer. Do you get what I mean? They are meant to be your client. So don't trip. Chocolate chip. Number 11 is to find out what tarot means to you. So one of the most valuable exercises as a tarot beginner is to ask themselves the question, how does tarot work? So by reflecting of this, 
by reflecting on this question and coming up with your own answer, you'll have a much better sense of what the tarot means to you and how you can use this tool in the best way. And the answer is going to differ from reader to reader, and that's perfectly okay. You know, some people are going to see tarot as a predictive tool or a coaching tool or a fun way to impress your friends. But once you have your answer, write it, say it out loud, post it on your blog, get clear about what it means to you personally, and that's what matters most. You know, like, for example, some people, um, they say that it's their own intuition that's reading to them, you know, and they like to use it strictly as like a divinatory tool. Some people say that it's your spirit guides. Me personally, when I'm doing tarot, I like to talk to my spirit guides. And when I'm doing readings for deceased um, loved ones, I reach out to that deceased person. Um, So, you know, everybody to each their own. And I use tarot for all kinds of stuff. I use tarot for advice. Um, Usually I use it as a divinatory tool. But a lot of times I do use it for pieces of advice, nuggets of advice. So what should I do now? You know, to connect with my spirit guides and, you know, any advice that they have for me. Um, So, yeah. So once you have that, you're going to have a much clearer understanding of why you want to practice tarot and why it's so important to you. And number 12, the last rule is to use the tarot mindfully. So one of the biggest mistakes the tarot readers make when reading tarot for themselves is that they ask the same question over and over to get a better answer each time. Or they do a reading when they're highly emotional or shutting down, trying to receive some truthful, receiving some truthful insight. So instead, use the tarot mindfully. Draw on the cards when you have an open mind and an open heart. If you're feeling upset or pissed off about something or you just went through a really bad breakup, don't bust out those tarot cards because I guarantee you, if it says that Jimmy's not going to come back to you, you're not going to like that. So don't pick up those cards in those moments. Okay, because chances are you're not going to take that advice to heart. Treat the cards and yourself with respect and give yourself enough time and space to truly be able to accept the wisdom that they have to offer you so that's it that concludes thanks for coming to my ted talk no thanks for tuning into my podcast uh final thoughts is i hope you guys i really hope you guys enjoyed this um podcast this is one again that i that speaks to me so deeply because i am a professional tarot reader i got into tarot i got into tarot personally i should have said this in the beginning i don't know why i'm saying it at the end the reason why i got into tarot is because last year i got hit with covid and my parents were in the hospital and my whole life was falling apart. My parents were in the hospital. Nobody was here. Um, my fiance had to leave the house because he didn't have it. And so he had to stay somewhere else. So we were apart for weeks. Um, my kids caught it. And it was just me. And I was feeling sick. And I had to turn around and take care of my kids too. And it was just a really, really hard time for me. I couldn't get close to anyone. I couldn't hang out with friends. I couldn't leave my house for weeks. And so I turned to tarot for help, for guidance, and I was open to it. And I fell in love with the guidance that I got because it honestly pulled me out of this dark hole. It pulled me out of this really dark hole, this dark time for me. It pulled me out and it made me find this new passion in life and this deeper purpose and this deeper meaning. And I went through this whole spiritual awakening as soon as I started looking at the tarot. And even though my mom, when my mom came back from the hospital, 
I had to like sneak it. I would have to get up at like 5 a.m. to make it before she woke up so that I could practice the tarot so that she wouldn't catch me. I would still, I was still willing to do it because it's something that I fell in love with and I was very passionate about and I knew it was something that was, that was truly beautiful and connected with me. And so because of that, I wanted to turn around and give that gift to other people. And that's why I started learning how to read cards for others. To help other people and pull them out of whatever hole they're in, just like it did for me. So if you do, if you are interested in getting a tarot reading for me, you guys can check me out at unearthlytreasures.com. Um, there's going to be like a little menu up at the top. Um, you just have to click tarot services and I can do a t- card reading for you there. Or even just message me on Instagram if you want to do like a live like voice um, voice reading on there. Um, also, I sell, like I said, spiritual products <laughs> um, at unearthlytreasures.com. Also, I'm a YouTuber. I make videos about tarot every single week. I actually post three times a week. You can find me at uh, youtube.com slash intuitive IVM. Also on TikTok as intuitive IVM. And yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, episode. This is a very super special episode for me. And I look forward to seeing you in the next podcast episode. Thanks for doing it in. Bye.